Episode 290, Bonus Edition, Interview with Melissa Morrison. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying in power. Bring on today's lesson. Welcome to the Always a Lesson Summer Interview Series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season, but more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. Hey y'all, Gretchen here, excited to share some more lessons in wisdom because I've got a special guest coming on today. We're going to focus on the lessons we learned, the skills we acquired, and help you hone your craft. So I'm thankful for you tuning in today to grow your potential, to ensure you continue to learn and be your best each and every day. So today's guest is Melissa Morrison. She is someone I have worked with for quite some time and have really gotten to know personally. So I'm excited to just chit chat with an old friend. But before we dive in, I thought I'd share with you that Melissa is an elementary teacher of 10 years. She's been consulting with schools for about four years, very passionate about bringing high quality literacy, especially writing instruction to schools and teachers. So I really look forward to hearing her journey and her perspective, because as we know, reading and writing are part of every curriculum and subject area. It's not something you can just teach in isolation. So with that, let's dive into the interview. Hey, Melissa, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Everyone is listening in from around the world. They can't wait to hear the lessons you share with them, some tips, some wisdom. So I'm going to dive right in if you don't mind. No, I'm ready. Okay, so let's start by sharing a little background. How do you and I know each other? How did our paths cross? Well, I'm pretty sure that I had found you on Facebook and then reached out to you probably for advice because I was um, a new consultant at the time. And then we just kind of got to know each other a little bit. And I joined your teacher leader mastermind, um, which was absolutely amazing. And it was just so wonderful to be there with other educators and to um, learn from you. And yeah, so I think that's how our paths crossed. 
I'm so excited that we've been able to follow each other as your journey has morphed from classroom to coach to consultant. We'll get that into that in a second. So tell us from the beginning, where did it all start? What grade did you teach? And did you always think you wanted to be a teacher? Like give us all the background. No, I did not. Um, My mom was actually a teacher and I always said I wouldn't be a teacher. (laughs) Um, And I went to school for psychology and I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. And I left college and had a couple different jobs. And then my mom said um, they have an opening for instructional aid at her in her district. And actually, before I had that job, I was working with autistic children. I was a program analyst or something like that. And I really loved that. And so the role was actually a one-on-one with a student who was in the district who was autistic. Um, So that's what kind of got me into the schools. And then, um, you know, moms always know what's what's right, right? <laughs> and so I got in there, and I eventually just thought, okay, I think I'll I think I'll go to school for teaching. And so I actually took the alternate route and became a teacher. I taught um, actually fifth grade for a few months before I landed in the district where I wanted to be, and I taught second grade, no, yeah, second grade, first grade, and then second grade again. <laughs> Um, and during that time, I had a literacy coach myself, which was just the best thing that ever happened to me in my career. Um, not only was the training that we had along with that so valuable, but having the coach was just career changing, life changing. She gave me so much support and helped me be a much more confident teacher. And I always wanted to be her, but I never thought I would. And then there came a part um, in my career where it was just really, really rough. And my husband and I decided I would take a break. And I did. And I realized when I left that I missed all of the literacy things. And I was finding that now that I had more time to kind of really dive into things and read more books and follow more people that I still really enjoyed it. And so um, I ended up helping a teacher, a best friend of mine in writing instruction, which is my favorite. And some other teachers were interested and it kind of led me to get my business license so that I could start doing some coaching. That is a crazy journey of you don't think you want something and you're like, okay, I'll try this. And then that leads to the next thing. You're like, oh, I really like this. And that leads to the next thing. And you are someone who's a risk taker. You're not afraid of change and you just keep following the breadcrumbs, which is really cool advice for someone listening, uh, whether they want to be a coach or consultant, or they're just not sure where their next path is going to lead them. You don't have to know. And yours just unfolded and you were okay with that. Yeah, well, it wasn't always easy. And for sure, I would get kind of scared. But I have definitely learned that you have to take a risk and that, you know, it's not always as scary as you think it might be just because you don't know, you know what it is. So yeah, I agree with that. What do you think as a coach or consultant you've learned? What would you say is, you know, that's the best lesson? Um, I would say probably that no matter what, um, well, you know, that that it is one of my favorite quotes is the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Mm. And so in my journey, I think that's one of my greatest lessons that you have to be willing to, you know, take that risk because it's probably what you really want. And, but, you know, actually doing the job of consulting and coaching, I would say that change takes time. And regardless of whether or not you want the change or you know, it's something that you're seeking, it still is going to take time because you need to learn and you need to try, you need the support and all of that. So just change takes time for sure. Absolutely. I'm not patient. I'm like, okay, I want to see results (laughs) now. So that's a good reminder. I know you're working with so many different educators. 
when you're coaching and then now consulting in schools. So what are you noticing? Wow, that really makes an educator great when they have that characteristic. Uh, What would it be? You know, I think that regardless of what you teach, you have to honestly and truly care about your students. If you don't care about them and you're not generally showing that, then you're not going to get the results that you want um, because you won't have the relationship for them. So I think that ultimately you have to really care about your kids. Um, And then also understanding how they learn and being willing to just continually fine tune your practice. Yeah. I would get stuck in a rut of being like, well, my last year's kids got this. Why aren't you getting it the same Mm -hmm. way? And you're right. You got to tailor it to the people in the room. And as you coach and consult, it's the same thing with adults. Like you can't just cookie cutter some PD. Uh, You got to go in there and find out who your people are and build relationships and then tailor it to them. Um, It's exactly like what you said. And then time, it just takes time to really see all that come to fruition. So I want to continue pushing you for uh, some more advice, but we're going to hone in on a specific subset of people. So we've got the gamut listening. We've got new teachers, people who are transitioning in education to different roles. We have some in distress, maybe they're losing their job or COVID has been really stressful. And then we've got teacher leaders like ourselves. So if you had to pick one group of teachers to speak to and give them a very specific piece of advice, who would you talk to and what would you say? So I have to say, I I don't know if this advice I think is so important. So I'm not sure that it's only for one group. And you okay. tell me, I think it might work for everybody. But I think that knowing that it's okay to not be great at something right away. Yeah. Because, you know, as educators, no matter where you are in your career, you are always, you know, have to be learning. And so every new phase of something, um, you know, I think it's still going to be better than maybe what you were previously doing, even if you're not great at it yet, but you have to be willing to sit in that discomfort and not be so great at it in order to keep going. I think that's brilliant in terms of take the pressure off of being perfect, Mm -hmm. allow yourself to make mistakes, because oftentimes when we look at our own journeys, We learn the most when we fail and that's okay. That's the point. And if you're not willing to try something new or ask for help or just give it a try until you you've nailed it, you're never really going to see what you're capable of. And especially working with a coach, they kind of push you into trying something new or different or a new perspective, or just haven't talking with your PLN, but there are people around you to support you and help you develop your craft. So um, I, I just think your perspective is so wise because of all the different uh, roles you've had in education, which is so cool. Hey, y'all, popping in here real quick to remind you, if you are loving the podcast, hop on over to iTunes to leave a star rating and type in a few words for the review. This helps other educators find the show so they too can be empowered. Lots of love and thanks. Now back to the show. Who do you Mm -hmm. go to? for advice? Do you have a mentor or do you just surround yourself? Like I was mentioning before with a PLN or a coach or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you have to have more than one mentor because everybody has so much to teach you. And not only do I learn from mentors like you who have been in the, you know, teacher leader role for a while, or even in the consulting role for a while, but also from people who are just now learning because they always have this new perspective, you know, new coaches or new consultants. Um, So I actually have a group of coaches 
that are very dear to me. Um, we're in a group together. We talk a lot on like Marco Polo and we just are such um, thought partners. And so they're definitely huge mentors. And then honestly, I have to say, I've learned and you have helped a lot with this for me is to trust myself as a mentor, because I know there's no exact right way. And then I have to trust that I have what it takes you know, to be a good leader um, and to help teachers. So that's definitely something I've learned. I think it's important for everybody to know that you you have some answers too. Yeah. And in fact, this just came up as I was listening to you say that I get nervous when different opportunities come up because it's the first time and, you know, I want everything to go great. And then I have to remind myself, even though I might not know the right words or I might not know the right thing or the solution, I will figure it out. And that's what we all have to trust. Like you were mentioning confidence in yourself that you can do it. And so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, I'd love to be a coach or I'd love to consult, but you think you don't know enough, or, you know, you have to know all the answers for every question ever asked you. And it's just so not true, but you have to believe in yourself that you'll be able to find the answer that you'll connect with other people who will help you. Um, and it's just so important that we say, I don't have to know it all, but I I have to believe in myself that I can know how to get there. Um, and so I think surrounding yourself with people who think differently or, you know, reading different books or attending conferences, all that will ensure that you have access to the knowledge. You don't have to know it yourself, but you have access. So with that, how are you staying current on, you know, the ever-changing things, especially in literacy mm. as things are changing with reading and writing? So how are you ensuring you are up to date? So I constantly read books new things and I'm usually reading more than one at a time <laughs> um and so that's one of the biggest ways and then attending like you said conferences and trainings I try to continue to stay on top of new things that way um and then also just I think being in the classroom you know being able to be a consultant and a coach and to work alongside teachers so I'm actually seeing you know what what they are trying and what's really happening in the class so I hope I, I never get away from that um, and then just talking and learning from colleagues in the field. So, so whether it's podcasts and blogs and things like that, or also just fellow coaches and teachers that I get to talk to all the time. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Sometimes we just got to get in there and roll up our sleeves. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, we can read all the theory and we can read, you know, this is the latest best practice, but until you're in it, seeing it live, tweaking it to help the teacher do it. I mean, I think that's really where the magic is. You did mention books. Is there any book that you would highly recommend for someone we can list it in the show notes? Sure. Um, well, recently with the science of reading, um, one of my favorites has been shifting the balance. I, I don't have the author's name right now, but that's one of my favorites for sure. Um, I think it's very, a very simple read, but super effective. Um, they have super effective practices that are easy to implement. So I love that one. Okay. That's good. I will definitely link that up. Um, tell us like, what are you working on in education? I know you're consulting, but do you have a current project that you've been pouring all your time and energy into? So other than, you know, working with the teachers, um, my favorite thing right now is trying to build up my podcast. Um, it's called Teacher Tips for Transforming Writing Time. And um, my goal is just to be able to help teachers who are struggling with writing instruction and don't have the training or the support that they need. I believe writing and explicit writing instruction is so important, especially in the primary and elementary years, and that students and teachers should be enjoying it. 
And unfortunately, a strong writing curriculum is not really prevalent in classrooms. Um, and, yeah, and the professional development is really lacking in the area of writing. And since I can't be with every school, but, uh, you know, this platform is a way to be able to reach more teachers who are ready to try something new and just don't have what they need. So I really try to find a almost like step-by-step, you know, process and really try to explain the things that um, I think are helpful. And, you know, my work with teachers now in writing instruction is helping me to really see like, what are the issues they're having and to be able to bring that to others in the podcast. I love it. And I think your podcast is going to be so helpful because it's going to be practical right now. This is what folks need. And you're going to be able to say, give this a try, or here's a tip that I learned most recently. It's just really timely and relevant. Remind us the title of your podcast again. It's called Teacher's Tips for Transforming Writing Time. Okay, cool. And so if anyone's listening, thinks they have a lot to contribute, I'm sure you could come and share your wisdom on the podcast too. So get, get in touch with Melissa to share. And then obviously subscribe so that you can hear all of her great tips. Well, besides the podcast and going into schools and working with teachers, what do you think is next for you? I know your journey kind of unfolds one chapter at a time, but do you have your <laughs> eye on something? Um, you know, I really just want to kind of continue that. Um, and, and I think that as much as we can talk about the big things that happen, you know, what's really important is that it actually comes all the way down to teachers and teachers actually being able to put things into action. And I just think coaching is one of the best ways to make that happen. So there might be something else that happens. And like you said, sometimes you just don't know and you got to be open to it. But I really just want to be able to get in as many schools as I can to help those teachers um, to really make things happen in their classroom. Well, and like you said, there's not a lot of time dedicated to writing. Many folks are trying to squeeze it in and that just doesn't end up boding well for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's not a lot of strong PD around it, especially when the best practices change. Uh, we still are doing things the old way. And so we need time in the calendar uh, yeah. and the day to actually teach writing. But then we also need the time to actually learn how to do it correctly, how to help students write and read more effectively. And I know one of the major issues that I'm seeing in Facebook a lot in these groups is how do I integrate writing into other areas? Because as we know, writing, yes, there are parts to teach in isolation, but the majority of writing is in all subject areas. And it's not just this one thing we do this one time a day we can carry over the principles we're learning into other subjects. And I think that's another area where teachers aren't sure how to do that or how to hold students accountable for writing in social studies, let's say. Um, And so I think that's another avenue where teachers will benefit to just understand writing is something we do. It's not just one time a day and that kids need to understand that too. Yeah. Absolutely. And actually in the, um, in the new classroom instruction that works, they talk a lot about cognitive writing and being able to put their thoughts and understandings on paper, you know, and like you said, for any subject, because it helps solidify their learning. So it's certainly, certainly very important. I think a lot of teachers think, oh, I'm not sure how to do that. So hopefully um, we can get writing to the forefront, you know, um, as far as professional development and help teachers to really implement it in a strong way. Yeah. And also right now with learning loss, or I know that that's a big topic of whether it exists or doesn't exist, but the fact that now I'm thinking back to when I taught third grade, 
I never learned how to teach kids to read, even though I was certified to do so. <laughs> I never really had the practice because I always taught upper elementary when they came to me already knowing how to read yet. Maybe they might struggle a little, but I didn't have to start from scratch. And I think some kids who didn't have a chance to attend virtual lessons really missed out on that. And so they're coming into the upper grades without any foundation. And the teachers are like, I have no idea what to do. Right. So it's a way for us all to talk to the grade levels before us and above us and really try and streamline what the learning path looks like in reading and writing. Yeah. And hopefully everyone will feel confident enough, like you said, that we can figure it out. You don't have to know it all. Right. This is a great resource to help (laughs) you figure it out um, and ask for help. Grow your PLN, find people who have great ideas, who have lots of tips to share and you'll be just fine. Yeah. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I do want to ask you, how do you reignite that passion and potential as an educator? I would say, um, you know, trusting, first of all, your instincts that you do really know what's, what's good for kids. And as long as you think about those kids and keep them in the forefront, then you're going to be doing the right thing. And so when you're feeling down because there's all these things happening and you're bogged down with all the extras that, you know, your district or school might want you to do um, and you kind of get overwhelmed. But if you just think, wow, like I'm really just here for these kids and to help them enjoy learning um, and just trust yourself that you can do that. I think it really kind of brings that, that passion and fun back into teaching. Mm, Yeah. I was recently recommending to someone, take a picture of yourself when you were little. And you might've seen that on social and commented. Yeah. That it was um, a good reminder. If you have a picture of yourself as a kid, especially the age you're teaching, it just hits home. It's like, what did I need at that age? And who was I at that point? And what did I want my teacher to do? Or what did my teacher do for me? That was helpful. And it anchors you and it helps you forget about the stresses of why you're not happy in your current role. And it helps bring to the forefront what is so important, which is those little kids. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a great, great piece of advice and a great technique for, for teachers, for sure, to have that, you know, person, that little kid of you right in Mm -hmm. front of you. (laughs) Well, on behalf of elite educators everywhere, thank you so much for taking your time to share with us. Can you tell us how should we find you? Where can we connect with you? Sure. You can find me on Facebook, Teaching to Transform LLC, um, or Instagram is the same. Um, I also obviously have the podcast that we talked about earlier, and I have a YouTube channel, Melissa Morrison, where you can find um, mostly some um, information about writing instruction. And I'm just always so excited to connect with others, just like I did with Gretchen here. So definitely reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, cool. I'll put all those links in the show notes so they can easily find you. And as you guys said, she's inviting you to connect. So make sure you take her up on that opportunity. Melissa, thank you so much for chatting with us and sharing your wisdom. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Well, y'all, I hope you enjoyed hearing from my friend Melissa with her empowering message and her philosophy around how we must support teachers who support students. Please make sure you reach out to her, ask all sorts of questions, invite her into your school. Let's continue learning and growing our craft together. Melissa, if you're listening, thanks so much for being on the show. Y'all go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast, you'll find this episode and you can find all the links mentioned right there. All right, Elite Educators, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Melissa Morrison. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. (laughs) 